We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got Pacers hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Hooping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. All right, everybody joining us now on Setting the Pace from the Hoop Tide Podcast and HoopTide.com. It is the reporter himself, Michael. Scott O. Michael, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining again. Uh, my pleasure, fellas. Only for you guys. Um, hope 2024 is treating you both well. And, you know, the Fachi is a first-time dad. Very exciting Thanks, stuff in the year ahead. Thank you. For sure. So let's get right into this. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. It's, it's rumor season as we're just under a month away from the trade deadline and before we get into more rumors, I wanted to touch on the New York Knicks because I know this is a team you're covering close. They did make a big trade to get OG and Anobi, and it's paid off pretty well for them. So your thoughts on that trade and then how both Toronto and New York have kind of shaped up a little bit since that deal. You know, I think everybody always wants a trade to be a a win or a loss, but so far it looks like a win-win for both sides. We'll start with the Knicks with OG and Anobi. Um He's fit seamlessly into them as as the Knicks have kind of condensed that roster a little bit with quickly Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett going to Toronto. OG's always guarding the best perimeter player, whether it's a point guard through 
shooting guard, small forward. At times, it could be a small forward, uh, excuse me, a power forward, depending on uh, if a team plays small ball or not. But um, what he's brought is a guy that's a capable three-point shooter. He's been an excellent cutter off the ball for the Knicks. And he, you know, quiet guy, fits well uh, in the locker room, not really making a fuss or anything. And he's thrived with Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle as kind of the focal points of the team thus far. They've gotten great play out of Isaiah Hartenstein, who's in a contract year, going into free agency. And, and as Bobby Marks touched on on the Hoopside podcast with me recently, he could get about $13, $14 million as of now. Um, so for the Knicks overall, um, it's just, uh, you know, about fit. And I think for the Knicks, um, you know, with Emmanuel quickly, the price tag was getting a little higher than they, what they wanted to pay. And he was never going to start with the Knicks with Jalen Brunson there. For Toronto, he has the ability to do that and be their point guard of the future. And then for R.J. Barrett, um, a Canadian, a guy that comes home, and Toronto was one of the teams that was interested in R.J. and still believed that with their player development program, they can get more out of him. So he's had some good games there uh, with the Raptors so far. So it's been a win-win for for both sides. You know, the Pacers had interest in OG for what feels like forever, but, you know, over the last year, we'll say, and the impact that he's made on the defensive side of things for the Knicks is everything that Indiana hoped for and more. So it's tough being on the outside, you know, seeing what he's doing for the Knicks, but there is another player in New York that I would love to see on the Pacers, but I just don't think he's going to be available. Can you shed some light on Mikel Bridges and the Brooklyn Nets? And if they, you know, would be willing to move him and what that price could be. You know, I get this question from a lot of people because obviously uh, the Knicks and Nets are two of my local teams here for me in Brooklyn um, and New York. So with, with Mikhail Bridges, I just want to start by saying this. The Nets passed on four first-round picks for him mm -hmm. last year at the deadline, as I had reported and others had confirmed as well. Um, I would say that it's a slim chance. They want to. They believe he's part of the solution ultimately going forward now is he a number one option on a championship contender no we we've seen that this year is he a number two option well if he is going to be a number two option your ceiling might be a little bit limited if he's your third guy like he was in phoenix you got a chance to be a championship contender the biggest difference in mikhail's game has been he's had to score the ball more a much higher usage rate than he's ever had and his ability to be an all-defensive player, it, it it strayed away a little bit because he's had such a heavy burden to carry on offense, even though he guards the best perimeter player on a nightly basis as well for Brooklyn. Um, they don't want to move him. They want to retain him going forward as part of the solution. With that said, as I, I kind of touched on a little bit with Bobby Marks on the Hoopside podcast, and the transcript is on Hoopside as well, uh, they know where they are. They're not good enough right now as a team and they are open for business. They're open to listening on, on all their guys. They've got a lot of big decisions to make coming up. Um, but for your question in particular, that tends not to include Mikhail Bridges. 
Yeah, that's a that's a name that Pacer fans are keeping an eye on. But while he is probably off the market for sure, there's another name that's been attached to the Pacers over the last couple of months, really even going back to the offseason, and that's Pascal Siakam. We've talked about Pascal at nauseum on this podcast. But I'm just kind of curious your thoughts overall on Pascal Siakam. And what is what is the end game there with him in Toronto? Because as far as I know, he'd like to stay in Toronto. That's a, that's an organization that he's played for his entire career, wants to be there long term. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense to kind of re-up with a guy that's turning 30 years old and they're kind of going into more of the Scotty Barnes era. So I'm kind of curious on your thoughts with what Toronto's thinking here with Pascal. Yeah, I mean, first off, you kind of mentioned about with Pascal that he would like to stay in Toronto. That that jives with what I've heard, certainly. However, uh takes two to tango. And so if you look at the way his name has kind of been out there, not only this year, but even in years past. This is a guy that's been an all-NBA player. Um, but for Toronto, as you touched on, with the roster, they're building around Scotty Barnes as the primary guy. And you look at the trade for OGN and Obi where they got R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. Those are younger players. Um, so for Toronto, it seems like they're retooling, but not a full rebuild, but they're going younger while doing so. And for Siakam, it comes down to this, whether Toronto wants to pay him a max contract or not. I don't necessarily get the sense that they want to do that. If they end up paying Siakam and keeping him past the deadline, I think it's twofold. I think what that would signal is they didn't get the offers that they wanted for him, and they waited too long to really put him on the market. And then second of all, they'll then be hoping to flip him eventually after signing him to a new deal and getting a better package back for him. So, um, you know, I, I touched on this a little bit on the podcast with Bobby Marks. When you look on paper, Indiana has some of the best assets to offer, but it's not like they want to offer Jarris Walker or Benedict Matherin, ideally. Um, from Toronto's perspective, you know, other teams that have been floated, Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, the Golden State Warriors, etc. Look at the guys on those teams that Toronto would want. Jalen Johnson, Jonathan Kaminga. Right now, those teams don't want to trade those guys. So Jarris Walker, who is not playing really for Indiana, he's predominantly been in the G League with the Mad Ants this year. That's a guy that you have to wonder, even though they like his long-term potential and they don't want to trade him, to me, in my opinion, I ask myself, is that the guy that would move the needle to ultimately get a deal done? Because you're looking at Buddy Heald going for salary purposes and on an expiring contract, at least a draft pick um, from Indiana. And is Jarris that missing piece there if they need any other salary filler? So on paper, they they can get a deal done. They're obviously going to want to have a an inclination that Siakam would stay with them long term. They've got plenty of financial flexibility to keep him. But as we saw today, the Detroit Pistons, uh, and you know we're recording this on Sunday, January 14th, the Detroit Pistons just now – got off of Marvin Bagley's contract in a trade, and they've created more cap space for themselves to have a max contract slot uh, potentially going into the summer, depending on what they do the rest of the deadline. So 
just stuff that you got to keep an eye on looking ahead. Um, there, you know, Siakam is going to be one of the top free agents in this class that teams are going to be signing for. And I expect him to have a, a lot of suitors if he ends up hitting the market. It's going to be very interesting. Pacer fans are torn on whether you, you know, you punt on Jarris Walker this early on, on his, in his career when it feels like you haven't really given him a chance, you know, because the Pacers have never been able to lure a, a talent like a Pascal Siakam, you know, it, through trade, they've acquired some big players, but it, it feels like Siakam would be someone that if they trade for, they're looking to re-sign. So it is an interesting situation, but one of the players you brought up, Buddy Heald, what does your gut say about the market for Buddy Heald right now? Because we've heard Indiana very much values him, but at the same point, what else are they supposed to say? This is someone who is an expiring contract where his role has diminished as well as unfortunately his production this year. Do you think Indiana looks to move Buddy at the deadline knowing that he could walk in free agency? Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at the the paces and the structure of their team, they drafted Benedict Matherin for a reason. This is the guy that, you know, they want to have long-term as as one of their guys in the backcourt with Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. And so with that said, you know, the Pacers originally had a high asking price before the season for him. As you get towards the deadline, that's that's got to go down. And, you know, you hear the reports out there about him being the guy that no matter what trade talk they're looking at, he's the guy – that's in the trade talks. Well, because he's got a high salary and because he's on an expiring contract certainly makes uh, logical sense. I would think logically that he's not going to be on the roster for the Indiana Pacers past the deadline. Um, but you know, time will tell ultimately, but uh, I just looking at everything logically, you, you laid it out, Fachi, the reduced role, uh, expiring contract, going to be a free agent. You don't want to lose him for nothing. If you can flip him and get a good asset back, especially along the lines of Pascal Siakam for the future, you got to do it. All right. I want to, I want to go back to, you know, you brought up Jairus Walker as a potential piece. The Raptors could want, and there's another power forward on this Pacers team, Obi Toppin, who is a restricted free agent. And to me, I think he's played pretty well off the bench since being put in the bench role versus being the starter. If the Pacers are going to make a trade for a Pascal Siakam and still keep Obi Toppin on the roster, where is the playing time coming at for Jairus Walker? So does that really make Jairus Walker almost untouchable? Or, or do you think the Pacers are more than willing to part ways with Obi Toppin and allow Jairus Walker to kind of get that back up four minutes if they were to go after Pascal Siakam? I think right now it's pretty evident that the Pacers don't believe Jairus Walker is ready to play NBA minutes immediately. So if you're going to do that and you're going to move top and instead or try to, one, especially in a Siakam deal, you've got to hope that Toronto values him in that way and that having the ability to make him a restricted free agent is something that, similar to quickly, they would want and, and not losing a guy. You know, they've, they've lost plenty of guys in the past in, in free agency, and we just saw most recently with Fred Van Vliet. So um, with Obi, what I'm curious of is, you know, what does he want? Does he want a, a bigger role, a chance maybe to start on a, a weaker team and have a chance for more personal growth? But ultimately, if he stays with Indiana, he'd be a restricted free agent. Different things to 
you know, debate there. And, and what, what would be his, what would be a good number for him? You know, I don't know the answer to that yet. Um, I haven't overly asked around on him in that regard, but I, I think it's an interesting question, certainly, uh, Alex, but I would say that, you know, if you're Toronto or another team, you, you got to look at Jarris as the guy instead of Obi because he's got more long-term uh, potential a little bit, and he's younger and not going to get paid yet. With the new CBA agreement, a lot of young players are being more valued than ever before. If you're trying to avoid uh, the second luxury tax apron or even the first apron, and you're trying to fill out your bench with younger, cheaper guys um, in, in that regard. So I think that question is more dependent on other teams and who they value. And most likely I would say they're going to value Jarris Walker instead of OB Toppin uh, ultimately. Yeah. The, the Pacers are, are in a weird spot where it's like, you got a guy like Jarris Walker where you're trying to find playoff time, play uh, playing time for, but then you also have two first round picks that it just feels like there's no room for these first round picks to come in and be able to crack the rotation. If a guy like Jarris Walker can't, are teams on the market right now valuing first-round picks like maybe they used to? Or is it more of, hey, like Toronto, I want established younger players such as an R.J. Barrett, an Emmanuel Quickly, you know, guys that could contribute right away instead of the idea of a player contributing two, three years down the line? Different situations for different teams. Like I would say if you're the Washington Wizards, you're valuing the picks over a younger player that maybe can contribute now because, the, you know, they're further away from being a, a team that's going to contend for anything with Toronto. Um, you know, they, they valued RJ at his number. A lot of other teams didn't. So that's a difference there. And quickly, you know, they're prepared to pay him in restricted free agency. And he's a guy that they believe in. They essentially valued, and I touched on this on hoops hype, the Raptors essentially valued Emmanuel quickly as being worth two first round picks because the Knicks could have given them two first round picks instead of quickly. And the preference was quickly given his production and given the upcoming drafts. I think, you know, what I, what I would tell both of you guys, especially being at the G league showcase and talking to people watching, uh, you know, the ignite who has, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the line of four to five potential first round picks in this upcoming draft, the sense was from executives that this draft class is not nearly as good as others in the past. And I know sometimes that gets blown out of proportion, but genuinely, like a lot of people are going to be trying to trade out uh, in this draft. So I would say that uh, draft picks are still valuable overall. It's, it's, it's the best form of, of currency, especially if you're trying to build uh, from within. Yes, salary cap space is effective as well, but a lot of times you're just supplementing with cap space. Not a lot of the top stars hit the market. Um, the rare occasion is when a guy that's like a former all-star like Fred Van Vliet switches teams because he got overpaid by a ton. Um, and, you know, kudos to him. But I, that, that to me, that's the, uh, the difference ultimately. So, you know, for Toronto, it's a little bit of beauty in the eye of the beholder, but, um, you know, they, they felt that with Scotty, those guys fit the timeline, RJ and, uh, 
Emmanuel quickly. For other teams around the league that are more in a rebuild mode rather than a retool, they're going to take the picks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about this draft class, and the, only, and the one thing that makes me realize how bad this class t- could be potentially is the fact that Zach Eady, a center at Purdue, was pretty much going to go undrafted, and now we're seeing him projected as a, a lottery pick this year. I feel like that kind of tells me all I need to know about the belief in this class. Uh, no no shade on him, but if you look at last year's class, it was pretty solid, but for Eady to go from being a guy that was like potentially undrafted or, or late second round to lottery. I think that says a lot about the prospects coming out, but I am kind of curious your thoughts, Michael, because the Pacers could just kind of stay pat. They, they could just kind of wait it out and see if there are any buyout candidates available. And I know there's been one name that I've seen could potentially be a buyout candidate. That's Gordon Hayward. who's got $30 million left on his contract with the Hornets, who is a team that is struggling and not doing well. Uh, are, are those rumors about Gordon Hayward potentially true as him being a buyout candidate? And is there any other names out there that you're looking at potentially for, for buyout candidates that maybe a team like Indiana could add on the cheap to try to help them have a, a better playoff run? I mean, teams are certainly monitoring Gordon Hayward as a buyout candidate. Uh, does it come to fruition? Mm, I mean, it depends on how much money he's willing to give up because the thing about buyout guys Usually when you do that, you get lumped into the veteran minimum category, and I'm not sure Hayward wants to get lumped into that category just yet. I will say I did speak with him uh, one-on-one when he was in town, and, and you could find that interview on, on Hoops Hype. Uh, Gordon said that you know at this point in his career, he wants to win, and that's not happening in Charlotte. While they've got you know the most talented roster they've had in a long time, it, it hasn't translated. So for me, I certainly would say other teams are 100% monitoring him as a buyout candidate, you know, contenders um, for sure. But ultimately, uh, he's got to then be willing to, if he becomes a buyout candidate, potentially be a guy that's viewed as a, as a vet minimum guy. And I, 
I really don't know if he's at that point. Um, but again, this is a guy who said to me, quote, I want to win more than anything. Uh, so proof will be in the pudding potentially after the trade deadline. Indiana does have more than the vet minimum to offer, but you know, obviously we're not in a true contending situation, but far better situation than Charlotte. But who do you see as maybe some of the major buyers at the deadline? Because there are teams that might be panicking a little bit. There are teams that definitely want to make a move, but who are more of the names that you see of, Hey, I definitely expect them to maybe make a move or two at the deadline. It's tough to predict who ultimately is going to make a move, but teams that are in buyer mode, I would say, are, I mean, Boston, if they could, but they've got little flexibility. Uh, Milwaukee, I would say, is a buyer. They're certainly trying to win now. Philadelphia, I would put in that category. Um, what about Cleveland? the Lakers? Lakers uh, were big-time buyers last year at the deadline, kind of turned their season around. They're obviously not where they want to be. So what do you think about maybe the Lakers? Would they be in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of going through the list. I was going to get to them for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just in my head, I would say um, with, with Cleveland, they don't want to move Donovan Mitchell, so you'd have to think they're a buyer if they can upgrade, you know, on the wing a little bit. Uh, you know, they've always liked Karis LeVert, but he's the most tradable guy they have, you know, if they want to make a, an upgrade there, Isaac Okoro, things like that. I would put Indiana in the buyer market because with the way Tyrese Halliburton has exploded, you got to capitalize on him uh, now, I, I think, personally. Agreed. Um, you know, the Knicks have been in the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes still along with other teams, so I would look at the Knicks as a buyer. You know, Miami, you would think, but for whatever reason, they haven't been able to get another forward like kind of since P.J. Tucker left, so – Kind of wonder what they're going to do. Orlando can afford to be patient for another year, even though there's some stuff out there swirling about Wendell Carter and uh, Markel Fultz. The Bulls are, I don't think I would call them necessarily a buyer, but, uh, you know, if they can move Zach Levine, they would. Um, if they got the right package for DeMar DeRozan, I certainly think they would listen, but it hasn't come to fruition yet. Uh Brooklyn, I don't know if I would call them a stellar yet, but um, they're certainly not playing the way they want. They got a lot of free agents coming up. So if they want to, you know, stock up the draft pick cupboard, they've got plenty of guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, that could potentially help them do that. Uh, the Hawks, I guess you can call them a seller to an extent because of all the guys that they can move uh, in, in that regard and, and the rest of the teams in the East, uh, the bottom dwellers, I would say you can look at as, uh, sellers as well going to, to the West, uh, Minnesota. I mean, <laughs> they're really good. I just don't know really what they can move of consequence that would make them a quote unquote buyer Oklahoma city. Everybody is waiting for them to make a splash and a move. Cause they got all these draft picks, but would not shock me if Sam Presti waited another year and saw how this team fared in the playoffs before really assessing uh, what they can be. Uh, Denver, they have a little flexibility, even though they'd obviously look to get better if they could. The Clippers, I would say, are a buyer, uh, especially with the Kawhi Leonard extension. They're going to look to do the same with Paul George. 
The Kings are a buyer for sure. They just don't want to touch Keegan Murray. Uh, the Pelicans certainly going to look to, you know, get better. Dallas, the same thing, but Dallas has not a ton of flexibility, I would say, um, you know, for, from their roster construction. Phoenix, same thing. They want to get better, but I don't really see how they're going to when they gave up picks and stuff to to go get Durant. Then they they did the same for Bradley Beal. Um, Utah has kind of shifted from a lot of people thought they were going to be selling off of Kelly Olynyk, Colin Sexton, and now they're, you know, right around the 500 mark and, and in the play-in tournament, which I think is important for them. And I know a lot of people, I, a lot of people tried to speak Lowry Markinen getting moved into existence. I was never of that mindset. Bobby Marks also was never of that mindset on the podcast. And he and I both foresaw they keep the roster as is with the cap space as is a potential renegotiation and an extension in the offseason. They've got enough draft picks. They've got to keep the guys that are good players there, let alone an all-star, let alone a guy that wants to stay in Utah. You know, not everybody always wants to do that. The Rockets are buyers. The Rockets are trying to package uh, Victor Oladipo and, and Jock Londale and, you know, potentially a pick if it's worth it to get a starting caliber upgrade. Now, certain Rockets fans will ask me, well, you know, uh, who would they be moving out of the starting lineup? You can get a guy that's a starting caliber guy that comes off your bench as well to fortify your team. It could just be at a different position. They're open to everything. The Lakers, Fachi, as you touched on, definitely a buyer. They're trying to maximize the years that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are having right now. They've got to get it done. Reluctant to trade Austin Reeves. Um, but push come to shove as far as assets, other than that 2029 first round pick, what else do they have to get something done? Uh, the Warriors, I would consider them a team that you have to watch. The math is going to come into play this offseason. And Andrew Wiggins is a guy that's popped up with some interest for the Pacers, given their cap flexibility and given the lack of it with Golden State. Given the fact that they were interested in OG Ananobi, I get the plausible argument for Indiana going for Andrew Wiggins. I don't know if it's the right fit at that number, but I get the reported interest. Uh, you know, the Grizzlies, their season due to injury is going into the into the uh to the tank right now. It's like it's like watching the Titanic, you know, it's it's sad to see. Um, you know, Portland, you gotta watch with Malcolm Brogdon. I think a little bit more than Jeremy Grant, even though Jeremy Grant's gonna draw a lot of interest. And the Spurs will sell off some of their veteran back end guys. So that's kind of my buyer seller stance on all 30 teams in the east for you guys i was wondering what what team scott uh, scotty you didn't mention because i was like man you're going through everybody here uh <laughs> but no it's it, it's going to be interesting i know that we're definitely getting to that time of year where everybody's kind of excited to see what's going to happen seems like a lot of teams are buyers i think there's a lot of fluidity with the, amongst the league and there's a lot of teams that feel like they're just a piece or two away from maybe making a run in the eastern conference so you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So my last question for you here, do you expect this to be a pretty busy deadline or do you think it's going to be pretty minimal and a lot of talk that maybe carries over into the offseason? Hmm. I would like to think with the new CBA rules coming into play, there is going to be some action. 
I, you know, you certainly got to look at Dejounte Murray. You got to look at Pascal Siakam as some of the top guys that could get moved. But as we saw recently with the Washington Wizards and the Detroit Pistons, I do think some teams are going to try to position themselves to get off of contracts and give themselves more flexibility and cap space. Um, and teams with cap space can absorb those contracts. So I, I would look at that. And maybe some moves on the back end. There's a lot of teams that need depth at certain positions that might try to make a smaller move. I do think it's going to be an active trade deadline overall. Uh, last year, it felt like there were maybe a little bit more fireworks. I don't know if you consider DeJounte Murray and Pascal Siakam fireworks, but um, they're definitely notable all-star caliber players um, that I, I would look at as some of the bigger names that certainly could get moved. And I do think overall, it's going to be active. And I think to an extent, this NBA season's been active. We've seen Damian Lillard move. We've seen Drew Holiday move. OG Ananobi. Uh, James Harden was traded earlier. So there's already I say a lot of moves. Yeah, him too. So, <laughs> oh man, that that was great. Sorry, no get out. <laughs> All good, but hey, Scott. As we wrap up, and the we... greatest Italian player. Uh, in the history of the NBA, Danilo Gallinari also got moved. If, if you know, if there weren't some uh, fireworks in Little Italy, I, I don't know where else they would be at that point. That that is a great point. That is true. That man was moved. <laughs> so we can't be sleeping on those guys. I say Levers, Danilo Gallinari, all of them. But Scott, as we sign off, please tell everybody where they could find some of this awesome content that you've been putting out. Whether it is you know podcast forum, you know uh, article forum, you got some. Great stuff coming out there. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, sure, guys. First of all, appreciate the kind words. Uh, I would say Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at Mike A. Scotto. You know, sometimes I feel bad for the poor New York One reporter, Mike Scotto, without <laughs> the A in the middle. It gets tagged and everything. I feel for that guy. That's great. Because his mentions light up like Times Square on New Year's Eve. But I am Mike A. Scotto. Um, you can also check out the Hoops High podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you listen to podcasts um, directly, hoopshype.com. Uh, certainly going to be a busy time. Make sure you're checking our rumors section for all the top aggregated trade news and obviously my own original reporting and, and podcasting as well. If you have not checked out recent podcast episodes and transcripts, one of the few outlets that does the transcript with the podcast, depending on what you prefer. You've got both of those recently. I spoke with James Ham, Kings reporter. We touched on all things Kings. They're pretty active in the deadline. And with Bobby Marks, ESPN front office insider, sports business classroom lead instructor, and a former Nets executive for about 20 years or so, uh, we touched on the entire NBA. Um, there is a lot of meat on that bone in that podcast and in that transcript. I highly recommend everybody uh, take a look at it. I'm still retweeting some quote tweets from different people on it. Uh, you know, I appreciate everybody listening a lot of the good feedback on it. And uh, certainly over the next uh, little under a month or so, um, I'd certainly put the Twitter notifications on mobile alert because it's, it's going to get active and there's going to be a lot of good writing coming up and a lot of talks over these next few weeks. So looking forward to it, fellas, and I'm glad we could carve out some time a little earlier in the process to go more in depth because the, the thing that gets me is like when we get closer and, you know, people want to do podcasts and other things, 
I'm so like almost ADD because like I'm looking at my phone, I'm checking texts, I'm checking other things. You know, it, it's hard to focus. So I'm glad we got to sit down and really dive into all this stuff now ahead of everything. The calm before the storm, as I would say. Absolutely. Hey, always a pleasure. We, we love it having you on the show look forward to having you back on hopefully later on this year but hey as we talked offline scott i will be seeing you in in a couple weeks at pacers versus Knicks. i'm looking forward to it and uh hey best of luck uh until we get to that storm of the trade deadline thank you fellas appreciate the kind words of support and also for you guys with the pod on setting the pace you guys have done a great job i'm happy to see the growth you guys have had as well together as like hosts and, and some of the guests that you've had on as well whether it's the pacers or other people as well so keep up the good work i enjoyed listening to it appreciate it appreciate it mike Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.